Let's rise, please, to pray. Lord, how good it is that we have opportunity to not only to study the Word and to be in the presence of Thy Holy Spirit, but to learn how to make practical application by sharing each other's experiences. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and pray for your blessing upon it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm thankful that all of you are here today because I need to learn from you. We all need to learn from each other. I do not have any magical answers to give you. We have the Word of God that all of us have, that all of us can read and comprehend. It's in the application of the Word where a lot of times we get confused and we fall down and we can't figure out what to do and oftentimes we find ourselves in despair not recognizing or not even being able to see any more ideas. I want to start with a couple questions. Why do you believe God instituted the family? other than the fact to populate the earth. Of course, he didn't need a family to do that. But why did God institute the unit of a family? Brother Novak. I believe because God saw that it's not good for man to be alone. Very good. God saw, and Scripture says, it wasn't good for man to be alone. Very good. Mom. To help each other. To help each other. Very good. Yes, sister. To encourage and correct. To encourage and correct. Spiritual growth, thank you, Sister Beck. To train. I think it gives us an example of our relationship with God. Very good. Gives us an example of our relationship with God. Very good. Being dependent on one another. Very good. Um, I have a few scripture references that I'd like read. Um, Could somebody read Deuteronomy 6, verses 3 through 9? We know all these scriptures, by the way. Deuteronomy 6, verses 3 through 9. I'm going to ask someone else to read Ephesians 6, 4, and someone else, Titus 2, 1 through 8. Let's start with Deuteronomy. Yeah, you, you don't need to write the references if you don't want. I got them. Here's what? your poor old Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord with thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Thank you. What direction is being given to the children of Israel in those verses? What is the first thing that's being said? Love the Lord thy God. Love the Lord thy God. And how? With all thy heart. With all thy heart. With everything that we are, we need to love God. So if we want to establish in our families... And we don't have to be mom or dad to do that. You can have a family member that begins the process of a revitalization of the spiritual life within the family. But we have to make sure that we are in the right relationship with God. It's like we talk about revival. You know what? We can't say the church needs a revival. We have to say, I need a revival. And God has to start working with me. Very good. Then what instruction comes? From once we understand that, you know what, there is one God, 
and I have to love that God and serve that God. What comes next? Make sure your children know that. Teach your children those things. How? When? What was? Every day. Go ahead. Every day? One of the things that impresses me here right away is diligently is the word that's used. And, exactly. just, and I've just got a, a one-and-a-half-year-old and a, a three-and-a-half-month-old. But one of the things that's already impressed upon me is if I'm sitting down doing my own business and a child comes up, my oldest comes up to play with a toy or something, and I sort of just brush them off, throw a toy at them, <laughs> that's when they're the most misbehaving, when they start yeah. getting into things they shouldn't be and pulling things off of the tables. is When they're not getting that direct attention from me, when I don't sit down and give them that attention and play with them, and, and that's playing, but this is also talking about that we need to actively engage in, in teaching these things to them. Very good. Actively engage. And how does it, when does it tell us we should be doing it? It gives some examples. At every opportunity. Every opportunity. When thou walkest by the way, when thou risest up, when thou sittest down. Does that sound like a program to you? Does that sound like some, some, something, and, and I have no problem with books, but does that sound like something like this is the best gadget for the week? What is it? It said, write it on the doorpost. It said, have it as frontlets between thine eyes. They, they wore devices so that they could have the law in front of their eyes. It has to be a natural thing that occurs 24 hours a day. It has to be life. The spiritual well-being of our children, of our family, the teaching of God's principles is not a program or a fad. It must be our life. Okay, now, and, and look, could somebody read um, Ephesians 6, 4? And I do have a, a motive in all of this. Trust me. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I put that in there for me. Too often, I think I discourage my children rather than encourage them. Too often, I may, look, I may find an opportunity or create something for a teaching moment rather than walking with them by the way and when I stumble and fall, using that as a teaching moment and saying, you know, I've done wrong here. I have sinned. I, have to add, I had to ask God's forgiveness and now I have to ask your forgiveness. Teaching a biblical principle as I go through my life. And that changes. You know, Brother Eric's got the, the one and a half and the three month old. You know, I have a seven year old, a 15 year old, a 17 year old, and an 18 year old, and it changes. And I hope, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop soon so we can get to some of the good stuff uh, of how that changes as you go through life. Um, one more Titus 2, 1 through 8. Don't be bashful. The things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as become of holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, Keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. 
Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works in the doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. Thank you. Again here, the Apostle Paul is, is relating to Titus that this spiritual development is a team effort. And I would... And I can't believe I'm even going to admit it. There are few things that I would ever agree with that Hillary Clinton would say, but she said it takes a village to raise a child. No, it takes a family. And a Christian family is not just, there is a mom and a dad, but you know, in some of our Christian families, there may not be a mom or a dad, or there may not be a grandma or a grandpa. But we are one in Christ, a brotherhood. And it takes all of us to raise the next generation of leaders in, in the church. And you know what? All of us are leaders, and all of our children will be leaders to some degree. We are all soldiers going out into the world to lead others to Christ. And now, how do we do that? Obviously, our primary objective as a parent and, and, and as, a, as a friend even of a, of, of, a, of, a, of a person is that that person might come to know Christ. And, to might have, and, and that they might be able to have fellowship with him. That's our objective. What I'd like to do now is ask you for some ideas that, that things hap that happened when you were growing up, maybe your parents did it, maybe your grandparents did it, that you believe contributed to your spiritual development. And the reason why I want us all to share things is we're not all the same. And I'd hate to have somebody say, you know what, we went to this forum and the brothers said that what we need to do is we need to have breakfast together as a family so that we can have devotions. And after that, we're going to memorize a verse. And that's the way that our children will feel secure in the Lord. That may be the way, but it may not fit your family unit. So there obviously are other things that we need to do. And what my hope is, is we get this list, 101 ways or better, to help build the spiritual vitality in your family so that we can look at the list and say, what can I apply to my family best? What did you do when you were growing up that you think, or that your parents did, that contributed to your spiritual well-being? Yes, sister. Well, I just have a thought, if you don't mind my saying it, we have to devote time to our families. I mean, we're also busy taking the kids to soccer. Very good. Even to youth group. So many things are pulling the family apart. And number one is we have to decide that we need to have family time, that it's going to be important to us. Very good. We have to make time for the family. And that might even be as a young believing child in a family where parents aren't believers. Yes. The biggest thing I think for me was we knew that church was a priority. And we knew it wasn't just a priority in our family, but we knew in our ancestors it was a priority. We heard all the stories of Grandpa this who stood up for that and went to prison. And you know, the other things, the things were priorities to go to attend church and be a church activity. Thank you. Sister Janet said, hold on to your thought, Brother Frank. Sister Janet said a lot in that, and I'm going to hope I come up with all of them. Number one, church was a priority. It wasn't something else that we did. 
We spoke yesterday, you know, as the advisors, we sit around the table and we try to figure out what can we do with the Lord's help to make camp better? What can we do to bring more people to camp? And one of the brothers said, unfortunately for many people, camp is now the second vacation, not the primary one the family takes. So if there isn't any time or any money, camp suffers. It can't happen. Church has to be the priority. And then she also said that she heard about the family, the ancestors, that Grandpa so-and-so stood up for this or stood up for that. Very good. That, that gives you a connection to the faithful. Grandpa so-and-so was in prison for the faith. Powerful tools. Thank you. Brother Frank. I remember my parents used to, on Sunday afternoons, invite anybody and everybody from the church and even people from other churches and their kids to come and spend time on the farm. Very good. Inviting those of like precious faith to the farm. I was at the farm a lot in, in Hamilton, and I remember those, those, those wonderful times being together. What does, what does that do for the kids? Very good. It helps our children understand the importance of fellowship and they begin to love it. Very good. What else does it do? Dad and then Lynn. It helps them choose the right friends. Very good. You know, the friends you're going to have are going to be the friends that come over after church. I went, Lynn, hold your thought. I went to a high school that the graduating class, my graduating class had 340 some kids in it. Okay? Um, my kids, the entire district that my kids go to has about 1,000 kids in it. But my friends weren't friends from school. My friends were from church. I went to Tom's house. Tom came to my house. I went to Guy's house or Sam's house. You know, there were seven boys in our little church my age. There was no problem having friends. Lynn. Um, two things that I can think of. Uh, uh, Uncle Arthur bedtime stories. Uncle Arthur bedtime stories I being read. Those. And something that, that we thought about a lot um, even though dad was gone a lot, he took time to play with us. Because if you play with your child, it's easier to pray with them when they need it. Okay, very good. Lynn said reading Uncle Arthur's bedtime stories, and, and I remember those too. I remember my mom sitting down next to me on the bed and reading Uncle Arthur's bedtime stories. And my wife somehow grabbed one of those books. We have it. And then Lynn also said that even though dad was gone a lot, when he was home, he took some time to play. We did that, as, as, and I'll share some things. Um, my father traveled a lot, as many of your fathers who are, who are ministers and elders had done, gone a lot. But we had an old boat that we spent a lot of time building up and, 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 and working on. And, and I want to tell you just a little bit of a quick story. And Brother Jeff, please hold your thought. One of our old boats, our second old boat, came apart. It just, it got old. If I, if I know now what I knew four years ago, I'd have it somewhere because I would rebuild it later on. But we had to get rid of that old boat. And I asked my wife, I said, why is that old boat, why does it bother me so much that that old boat had to be destroyed? It was just a 20-foot wooden boat. And she said, because it wasn't a boat. She said, that was a relationship that you had with your father because you worked on the boat with your father. Establishing a relationship, so an anchor 
for the soul, so to speak, within the family. Even before that, relationships with grandparents. Same I rode in a truck with grandpa to farms all the time. I slept with grandma long. Okay. You know. Very good. Spending time with family members. Brother Jeff. Yeah, my, I remember my parents always took us to camp and always took us to all these um, uh, Labor Day weekend sing rallies, youth rallies and stuff. And one time he, he related that because we were that well off. He didn't have, he had enough money to get there, but he didn't know how he was going <laughs> to. But we went anyway. <laughs> and one of the kids that we took with us, their parents gave us money for gas, that they didn't know that's how we got back. <laughs> Very good. And what Brother Jeff's dad showed the kids was there was nothing more important for that family than being with believers. And he knew that if he chose that, made that decision right, God would provide to bring them home. Or they'd get to stay longer with somebody else. <laughs> Brother Walt, did you have your hand up? Yeah, my, I, I just said my, um, I remember something that left an impression on me was when, when our parents took vacation, they always made sure they were somewhere where there was a church on Sunday. I can only remember one time in my life, that, you know, living with my parents, that was a new when we were in Europe one time where we couldn't get to a church. And we had our own uh, little devotion in but he, he never would go anywhere unless there was, you know, we could be on a church somewhere on Sunday and uh, have a fellowship. And that was very important. Very good. You know, and, 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 and all of us remember Brother George. You know, another camper that the Lord took to an endless camp long before we think he should have been there. But the, pri the, the love that, that, that Brother George had for brethren spilled over to his, his kids. Um, and, and I want to tell a, a, what happened to the, one of the things that, that really meant a lot to me. I was in Switzerland once for five weeks, away from my family, away from, and I don't understand German that well. And, and if it wouldn't have been for Bernie and Shirley and Marcus and Tina who come, came to my rescue a couple times, I would have been completely alone there. But one night, sitting in a hotel room with no television, the radio barely worked, I would pick up a USA Today newspaper on my way to work and read every word in that paper. I could tell you how much that would cost in, in Peru, you know. But the phone rang and I picked it up and it was Brother George Mueller who heard that I was in Europe and he had gone to Germany and he called just to make sure I was okay and said, I thought you might appreciate a, ho a fo phone call from home. That's love. Very good. Um, other, other stories or accounts? Brother, my, my wife and I recently were talking about how both of us recall our parents kneeling by their beds every morning before the day started. And we both noticed and both made an impression on both of us. Very good. Kids seeing mom and dad praying. You know, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Speaking of prayer, uh, the pattern at home was the whole family would eat supper together, followed by Bible reading, and then my dad would pray. And he would pray in a way that I knew he was praying for me when I had made a start and had gone astray. And he would pray, Lord, help those who have gone astray that they might come back. And I knew who that was going to be. Very good. That was very subtle. And Uncle Johnny, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, there, there are a few people that I asked to be here. 
because I'd heard these stories. And I said, I wouldn't call on them, but they'd know when, I, you know, and the Lord moves. And that was one of the stories. And I've used that at home. You know, I'll never forget that, that Uncle Johnny told us that, told me that once. And I prayed that at the end of the dinner table. Or also said, when the family unit started, you know, banging into one another, Lord, help us to love each other, you know, so that the kids see the care that's there. And we wanted to continue that. But in our house, my husband doesn't get home till very late. So we have breakfast together and do that over breakfast. You see, and that's the point. It fits, you know, our family used to be able to eat dinner together all the time. And now Bethany works a couple days a week. She goes to work at, at 5, comes home at 8.30. Michael works till 6. You know, it, as the family gets older... It, the dynamics change, and you have to look for ways. You know, I'm, I'm way out of the house before the family's awake. How we solved that problem for us, we have a whiteboard in the kitchen, and it, we're not all going to be together to eat, and we have certain prayer needs or people that we know that we're praying for or situations that we know that we're praying for. We write that on the whiteboard so everybody gets a chance to see the board and pray for themselves and we can't pray together, but then on the other side of the whiteboard, we also put the answers to those prayers. Thank you. So that we remember that God did take care of that or he did do that. That's an awesome suggestion, especially as you see your family, as your family grows and now you have all believing members in the family, that whiteboard so that you can write down what the prayer requests are and then also to give thanks to God for the answered prayer. One of the things that Dad did somewhere too, one of the things that my dad did, sim similar to what Brother John was talking about with his father, is he, when we were younger, he prayed a lot at the supper table. And as we got older, once we got 10, 11 uh, or so older, it was soon our turn to take a turn to pray. Very good. And through that, he helped teach us how to pray. And he taught us how to respond. And we also have a time of Bible reading. And again, once time came along, then it was our turn to do some Bible reading and discuss. And, and it was a good method of, of helping us get over some of our insecurities and, and he could encourage us. Very good. Uh, the father praying and then as, the, as these young men got old enough, 10, 12 years old, them praying as well. They learned to pray that way, Brother John. I, I don't know if I should tell this or maybe I should have my kids since two of them are at least sitting here saying, but what, one of the things we did when they, when they were small and uh, to make Bible reading so that it could be understood by children and to get them involved, we would read from a Bible storybook, and then we would we had like a little game where we would play, where we would start a sentence and not finish it, and use even like signs and so forth to be able to finish the word. Uh, and we did a lot of laughing. I hope that people wouldn't consider that as irreverent, uh, but it was it was a, a fun thing for us as well as something that, as a way of being able to uh, keep focused upon what the next word might be in the next thought. Very good. Starting out by, by using a children's Bible story book so that the children could understand what they were reading and then actually finishing the sentences instead of reading them with, in, in like a little bit of a Pictionary type thing or, or, or gestures to drawing the children into the process by making it something enjoyable and not just memorizing the verses. Very good. Yes. Also when we talk about prayer in our families when I was as children been a few weeks old, we travel a lot with the cars. Whenever we went on a trip, we have audible prayer before we go. And now this, my sons are in the faith, and now they pray when we go as a family, you know, and that continues on that way. Very good. Brother Willie says that in his family, they used to, they would pray before they left for a trip together 
and now his sons are older and, and, and they can they pray as well. I think Brother Tom and then Don. We're also we're trying to uh, have the kids also invite uh, non-church friends over for dinner and that allows them to really witness and have their prayers, which we ask them to pray from the heart too, um, to exercise their faith in a way, even though it's a very small faith, to let them know that Christianity is for everyone and very part of the Christian duty is to let others know, you know who Christ is and that's important to them. Very good. Inviting the kids' friends from the neighborhood to your house for dinner. So that they and having your children pray, so that they can begin to exercise their faith and live their Christian life. Yes. Um, we always had singing. Singing. We always had uh, music playing. My sister would play the piano. We'd all sing around the piano. We'd have lots of youth group over and from different churches and very good singing. Singing. One, one sister said to me, she said that when she was growing up, any time, any not just not just when there was a problem, but when there was a concern or or, or trouble. They would have singing. Invite everybody to the house for singing from church. And it, you can't, you know, if you're singing, you can't keep staying in a bad mood. It won't work. Dave, in connection with that, we don't only teach children, <coughs> but also we can be corrected by children. Uh, I remember good. one time I was working as a tool and die maker. Mm -hmm. And at work you heard every Monday, oh, it's Blue Monday, Blue Monday. So I came home one Monday. And the youngest son, Peter, he asked me, Daddy, how are you today? I said, oh, Blue Monday. He said, Daddy, this is the, the day that the Lord had made, and we should rejoice and be glad in it. And he corrected Very good. You know, our children can be used by God to teach us. Very good. Yes. What I've always seen as being very interesting and, and helpful is when whatever we're doing in school or, or, or you tie it together, like if you need... Um, I've seen one example in my family where a person is learning how to write, right? Well, rather than just learning how to write anything, they take a certain portion of scripture and, and write it out. And yeah. I find it seems like you can, um, sometimes we keep the, the two things, like our, our regular life and our spiritual things, two separate, but when you can combine them and, and, and use, um, use, use um, the process of education and the process of um, even, like Brother John said, even like almost a game where you can, you can use different situations and add spiritual um, insight and topics into it. Very good. Taking the things we're learning in school and bringing it home and, and working it into our spiritual life. Brother Edmund, and then up there, Brother Gary. Yeah, as far as like kind of preparing a family for worship, my brother-in-law has a good idea that we're trying unsuccessfully to copy that before... Um, they, they go to uh, church rather than the typical, you know, push, stuff your kids in the minivan and race to church uh, uh, preparation for worship. They, they try to set aside some time to sing a few songs and have a prayer at home before they leave the church, to church. Very good. Setting the tone for the day. Having a prayer and, and, a, and a hymn or something before Brother Gary and then down here to Sister Jane. You know, my, uh, my parents never spoke critically of another person in church or discussed church problems. I was baptized for a few years and before I even knew there was a problem. <laughs> and, very good. and yet when there was something to discuss or we had a question, my dad was very open to say, this is the problem, here's what we're doing. And we were always surprised by, well, why would a brother be like that or a sister right. be like that? And it hurts me to see parents who uh, are critical in front of their children. Right. You know, the problems are there, and we know that, but 
you know, doesn't help to. Very good. Thank you, Brother Gary. And that was, I was going to come up, follow up to get a question that would draw that out. We can't, we have to be supportive of the church and the believers in the church, not critical. Sister Jane. Mine was along the same line as Edmund's because I noticed that with Barbara and Tony in the recent years, um, when we've been to their house, that's how they start every day. They all, they all come together to pray together. Very good. Starting the day coming together to pray. A little bit on the lighter side, but we, we scarcely know how young children are impressed by what goes on in church and the church practices. Uh, I couldn't have been more than five and perhaps my brother six. Uh, and, and when one of our mother's chickens would die, I would be Mr. Wapner, who was the funeral director, and George would have the service. Can <laughs> <laughs> we bury the chicken? Very good. And you know, but what was, happen what was happening there? What were these young children doing? Emulating. They were, they were emulating and acting out what they believed real life was. And it is. If we're smart enough to bring it all together. Yes. I have a similar story to that. My um, younger brother, he was playing with my younger sister with the Barbies. And he said, you know, you know in the mornings they go to church and the boy Barbies sit on this side, the girl Barbies sit on this side. They go to church. This is what we do. They're going to do the same. So it was, I mean, we laughed at the older kids, like, what are you doing? You know, it's just a game. But sure. to see it, it's, it's really touching. But it, it, exactly. It, they're learning all the time, which really is sobering to us parents. Also, we had, um, in our home, we, oh, my mother would always take the fingers that I just said, we wanted to be laughed, because we had is medicine. Very she good. Always read, wanted, always read those to us. Always. Mother used to take the Reader's Digest and read the humorous things so that the family could laugh together. Laughter is a tremendous medicine. Sister Jan, did you? I was just going to say along with also with the baptism things, because I remember Mark and Ben, at that time, they were going to the sister church in Peoria. It's a big church, and they had a microphone, and they had a baptism. <clears throat> they were probably about three. And they got the neighbor girl over, and they decided they were going to have a baptism. And Mark's standing there with the hose, using his <laughs> microphone, saying, I might baptize you in the name of the father, the son, the mother, the brother, and the sister. <laughs> the father, the son. The father, the son, the mother, the brother, and the sister. The mother, the brother, and the sister. You know, and, and how tempting it would be for some parents to scold the child. No. The child is being a child. And they're acting out what they see and what they want to emulate. Yes? Just another little silly story. When Jeffrey sometimes goes with older boys Wednesday night to church and I home with the little guys and I'll play the piano and Stephen will direct. And uh, he makes Richard sit there and he, Richard will sing and then Stephen will the Bible, but you people think, oh, Lord, my God, I am awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and you know, what, what's great about that is the child is learning the words to the song. They don't sing them all right. You know, I don't either. I can have the music in front of me and choir, I pity any choir director that I sing for, because I almost always get the words wrong. The notes are usually right, but, you know, we're, you know, we're seeing our children beginning to live the life that we want them to live. I have a question for you. Is it possible to have too much church? And before you answer that quickly, I want you to think about, is it possible to have too much church? Don't answer just yet. 
possible that church becomes too important? Becomes too important? What are your thoughts? My answer is it's possible to have not enough church. Okay, it's possible to not have enough. Very good. I guess one question I'm not answering anything, but what will be the definition of church then? Because if, if we, we obviously can't have enough worship, fellowship, okay. but we could be quite possibly hanging on to things that aren't those, you know, aren't, we can be going to church and be completely separated and not loving each other. So I think it's important to, to see that, that it's actually that fellowship with the saints. Very good. Good. Gotcha. I would like my kids to respond to that question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they want to. <laughs> I mean, having grown up in a family where there were times when someone would come over and really take both of mom and dad's full time in counseling and stay till two in the morning. That that was, I think that was last year's forum, or two years ago. Two years ago. <laughs> For elder kids? I wasn't there, so I didn't get a tape. That was a hard forum to be involved. There is no tape. Sand crab is everybody made it. I couldn't be there. Amy, Beth, and Tom, do you want to say anything, or would you rather just plead the fifth? <laughs> I think there's just, I'll let Tom speak to but there just has to be a balance, and achieving that is difficult sometimes. I think. If you're a parent, you are involved with counseling, you say, okay, I need to be busy for a couple hours, but after that, my time is yours. And it's not that easy. It's easier said than done, actually, but. Okay, very good. Sister Amy says, you know, there needs to be a balance between what dad or mom is doing in the church and also with the family. Brother Tom? I echo that. I mean, I don't think there could be too much spirituality in Christianity, and that's what we were talking about when we're trying to integrate Christianity in everything we do, whether it be learning, teaching them how to read, or or just interacting as a family. But I mean, church is is, is when uh, fellowship, when there's fellowship of other believers, but that's taking away some time where there's some crucial. There's crucial time between parents and children, and if that's being taken away, then, then that can be harmful. Very good, thank you. I try to be very positive with the children. When I know Edmund has to do a lot of counseling right. in the evening, and I say, oh, they want to learn more about God. You know, I, I would like yeah. to complain, say, yeah, I know, we have to do that again. <laughs> I try to put a positive spin on it. That's, very good. That's the answer. Sister Bethany says she always tries to put a positive spin on those event, those times when Brother Edmund is taken away from the family. Brother Gary. Yeah. I'm gonna answer, and this is coming from a family where we decided long ago that if there's church, we will be there, right. morning, afternoon, evening, whatever. I think our denomination is too inward focused and not outward focused enough to our lost neighbors, to our coworkers. We spend a lot of time together and that's great, but then we focus on each other and not enough. You know, we need to share the very good that we have. So sometimes there can be too much church in that sense. Very good. But the perspective is one who's going to be there and support and loves it. But maybe, you know, we in Norton, and we're going through our, you know, through tough times. Wednesday evening or Sunday afternoon, when there are services, there's discipleship groups meeting. They're not in church. Mm -hmm. But can you just keep adding to the schedule? You know, 
need to be flexible, I think, okay. as to how we do things. Thank you, Brother Greg. Brother Jeff, and then... Uh, a comment on... My comment is that we do have to maintain a careful balance because we have to remember that as joyful as it is for us to go to church three times on Sunday, um, people who are outside of our family, of Christ, there, there's a feeling of exclusiveness there, and that can be offensive to them. And I, I think we pay very close attention to make sure that we don't offend our fellow brothers and sisters. But you have to be remember. You have to remember and be mindful that we're not offending those outside of Christ because okay. we want to draw them into that body of Christ and not push them away by the feeling of Thank you. Similar to Brother Gary's comments here. Brother Novak. And then I want to come back to my question. What we did when we want to punish our children, we told them, you will not go to church. And yeah, yep. we did that. And they loved it so much to come to church. And then when they're bad in some things, we said, listen, on Sunday, you won't go to church. Oh, no, we're going to be good, Daddy. We're going to be good. Some, you know, children love to go to church. I want to, how about two comments, and then I want to come back and kind of wrap the, that one question up. Uh, Sister Lori first, and then Lynn. Yeah. Um, probably the only time that there would be too much church or too much spiritual activity would be when there's hypocrisy okay. in the lives. You know, if, if we're making our kids memorize the Bible and making them go to church, and then we don't have love, <coughs> we don't have the, the truths in our hearts that we're trying to convey, then it might be too much. You might be better off um, okay. not speaking so much. Very good. Sister, Sister Laurie said, you know, if there's hypocrisy, if we're driving all these memorization things and, and with our kids, but they don't see us living our faith and living the word. Now that's now that, that is total hypocrisy and will drive them away. Lynn. That, uh, I thought about regarding some of the people that I knew when I was growing up. They used the church as an, ex as an excuse. The parents would say, um, you have to do this or you can't do this because this is what the church says. And it wasn't always what the church said. And it drove those children away. You have to be careful that you don't use your faith and your congregation as a weapon in your own favor to bring a point across that you want to make. If it's not God's point, don't use the church to make it. Okay, very very good. And let me let me repeat that. That we can't we should never use the church as a reason why our children can or can't do something. We should use the word of God that the church uses but you know i can't blame the church i can't say to my kids you know you're, you know son you're not allowed to go on a date because the church says you can't that's bogus the the word of god says that let me just kind of jump back to my my original question about can there be too much church i firmly believe that and and i and i loved hearing the stories when, when i was younger I, I would ask my dad i'd say you know, there's this one side of our relations where everybody but, but one grandson or great-great-grandson was converted. And I said, what did that family do that was different from the other parts of the family where nobody converted? And my dad said that, you know, great-grandma and grandpa so-and-so, whenever the doors were open, they were there. And church was a priority. It was the focus of their, their life. I agree with that 100%. My boss said to me once, he says, you know, when I hear about your life, this is, I was there about a year, he said, it sounds like you're from some town in the 1800s out west. He said, your whole life is surrounded around your church, isn't it? I said, well, my life is, is centered in God, and my family's life is centered in God, and, and, and the church is an integral part of that. So yes, it is. 
the problem that I have sometimes is not letting the, the things of the church that might consume me sit on the side. Forgetting about the problems, forgetting about the crisis, and spending time with my kids as dad. That's where I'm saying, you know, church is critical, church is important, but I had to realize that, that my kids have to see church in the positive light not me stressed out and worried about it and this and that. And some, you know what? That's God's problem. The battles, the, the struggles that we have, parents, in, within the churches, that's God's problem. We don't have to fix it by ourselves. There's going to be stormy days. There's going to be problem days. There's going to be trials and tribulations. God's going to take care of that. We should focus on our relationship with Him, building the strong family unit, so that the children can weather then any storms that may come because of whatever might have happened in the church. There were always struggles in the church. There were always problems, and there always will be until the Lord comes. But also, there will always be a faithful and true remnant to God. So that was my point. Church has to be important. And, 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 the, and, and it's, you know, I, I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. I know that. But, but, but for me, it was important, and I guess this is what I'd want on the list, that it was important for me to understand that there were times that I had to leave the problems of church sit and go for a boat ride and spend a few days sitting with my kids fishing or going with my dear friends from a church out where we didn't talk about church. We just talked about enjoying each other. I, I think the important thing that I remember as a child was... Uh, the lives my parents lived. Uh, my father, as I try to recollect now sitting here, I can remember only one scripture verse that my father quoted to me. Now my mom would have made a great preacher. She, <laughs> before she laid this cherry switch on my behind her, I got a, a sermonette. And, and that was okay too. But, but, but the fact was, when I looked at their lives, I knew that they were living the word of God. Uh, and, and I couldn't argue with that. And, and, and my father became my hero because of the quiet way that he lived. In fact, uh, I, I refused to learn to tie my necktie on, on Sunday morning because I wanted his hands sweaty, calloused, to, 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 to be on my body. Uh, and, you know, we never had a, quote, family altar. Never. Uh, he always prayed uh, at, at the table, but we never had a form of church in our home. We just didn't. Now that might have been wrong, but it certainly, the lack thereof, didn't inhibit the what we saw in, in the lives that were lived. And, and, and the best thing parents can do is to live the gospel. Thank you. To parents, living the gospel, not preaching it. What did Grandpa do every morning? Didn't you say that he walked out and... Uh, no, he got up earlier than the rest of us. Was that somebody else? That was a story. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways, it was a good story about a farmer that every morning walked out to a clearing in the woods to pray. Obviously, somebody saw that farmer. But his son wanted to know where he went. So even a silent action by a father 
going off to be alone with the Lord was observed by the sun. Okay. Any more ideas? Brother Ed? we got about nine minutes. I think it's very, uh, I think the Bible makes it clear that the husband-wife relationship is the priority relationship. Yes. And so it's very important for the children to know that that, that, the, 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 uh, you know, your priority is your wife. And you do that because nowadays your people's lives revolve around the kids and the, and the marriages are suffering. Very, so show that affection in time in front of them. Very good, Brother Edmund said that the Bible says that the, the husband-wife relationship is the priority relationship. And the kids need to know that dad's primary relationship partner is mom. That the family should not be too kid-focused. It's, it's, it's husband and wife serving God, together raising children. Um, we had another hand here, and then we'll, we'll come over to you, Brother. Just quickly, I want to comment on Brother Bob's to that, um, we heard Michael said, our Michael said, we were going for a boat ride the other night, and, and we were talking about how people are having kids older in life, later in life, and how, he said how glad he was that he was born when, we, when Frida and I were 22, because he likes having a dad that he can go skiing with. You know, my kids want to go skiing with me. That makes me feel pretty good. <laughs> you, had, you had a hand up there, brother? Yeah. Just concurring with Billy Bob here. Um, when we were raised in our house, the uh, the rod of correction was not refined, and it was for a reason. And I, and I truly believe it was for a reason. But I remember the time uh, came to that age when I was sent home, and that rod of correction didn't come. And it was that silence from the father figure in the house that spoke a thousand words. I didn't need that rod. And I think sometimes nowadays that that that's not a popular thing to use the rod of correction, right? And we know what the Bible says, resist the rod of your child. But the fact that dad's life preached every day to me, I didn't, he didn't need to use the rod when I was growing up, but it was to keep me on the straight and narrow, though I was meandering sure. through life. But it came that day when that rod wasn't there, and that, that, that was more than the rod. And that, you know, yeah. that was worse not getting it than getting it. And I want to say something else, and I got two comments. And, and uh, Brother Mike, go ahead. We'll have another comment. Oh, we're talking about family, and I think we don't want to get in the mindset that I was in that, well, I'll start this when I have kids. When you're married, it's going to be a lot easier to start with your wife. <laughs> and when the kids come along, it just naturally keeps progressing. Very good. Thanks, Brother Mike. To start young, and even before you're married, start with a, with a, a routine spiritual routine perhaps and then when you're engaged you can share that we don't have kids here you could they're all at the teen forums right you can share that you know I'm competing against Tom's forum you know I, 
I wish we wouldn't, you know, don't ever schedule a forum that I have with Tom Hurtick because I know that he's going to draw better than I am and I want to go to his forum. But anyways, um, but yeah, we, we got to start together and then talk when we're engaged as to how we should do it. Yeah. One, one comment about what Brother, Brother Mike said. Uh, I remember years ago when I was traveling in business once, I went into a restaurant only because it was a converted barn. And I thought, I really want to see what they did inside that barn to make it a, a notable restaurant. And I don't remember anything about the barn. I don't remember anything about the meal. But I remember the placemat. I remember that it was red, bright red, and that it had a saying in each corner. And in the right-hand lower corner was the only thing I remember about that entire experience. And it was a saying, the finest thing that a father can do for his children is to love their mother. Those are safe children of that household. Those are our children who don't feel vulnerable. And, and it really is so. If the children know that dad loves mom, it's going to get them through a thousand tight spots uh, in life while they're growing up. Let me repeat that because it's much better than the closing line that I had. The finest thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. Thank you very much. I will, I'll take the, uh, the, the ideas and we'll get it typed up and I'll talk with our web people and it'll be on the camp website sometime at, shortly after camp. Thank you for your participation. The Lord bless you.